It was more than just not being able to hear anything or make contact with anyone. It was as though, as though for a time I didn't exist, as though I had no place in the world, no part of the life around me. And then you saw this, this man. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. Hey guys, it's Tara here. And I I hope you all appreciate and I hope you've enjoyed um, your Labor Day weekend. And it's been a little while. I understand we've taken some times off because of me and other things we talked about the last episode. But I hope you enjoyed our conversation about the Wraith. Um, but now we're getting into something that's a little bit more Twilight Zone-ish. I would say that it actually inspired some of the Twilight Zone. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun talk. It's going to be a little of a weird talk. Um, yeah. So Terry is, is going to be weird. You recommended this a couple weeks ago and we're getting into carnival souls. It's weird, but you know, it's adjacent to everything that we've discussed during the original twilight zone series. So I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. Absolutely. I've never seen this film before. So yes, welcome everybody to the show. If this is your first time here, um, this is a twilight zone based podcast. We've talked about the original series. Uh, we'll mention that briefly here during a discussion of carnival souls from 1962. Uh, we're into the eighties iteration of the twilight zone right now. We've covered, the most recent version of it that was originally on Paramount Plus that's been pulled. Sorry, this is Paramount Plus. Yeah, it was CBS, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. We cover those two seasons. We're going to get into the 80s again. We'll, that's what we'll talk about next, about what we're getting into. A lot of anthology, a lot of stuff. But this is a film that we've been circling for a while. We've talked about it, and I know it's a favorite of yours. So, yeah, people, welcome to the show. If it's your first time here. Uh, yeah, this will be Carnival of Souls. Uh, original release date. Uh, September 26, 1962. Um, but yeah, brief aside, uh, I know it's been two weeks. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation about The Wraith. That was a fun film. That was my first time watch. Sorry, that was Terry's first time watch, not my first time watch. This is my first time watch of this. So tit for tat, right? So give me a killer 80s car movie and then we get to some black and white weirdness. I think that's a, a fair balance here. Yeah, I, 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 I like how our spectrum goes from one side of the you know, timeline to another side of the timeline. <laughs> yes. So quickly. <laughs> it, it's so much whiplash, right? So this will be the last of our detours for now before we get to season two of the eighties. Might yes. I add still car centric? Yes, car-centric. you're right. It is car centric. Uh, hot car summer. I don't know what that means. Anyway. So yeah, uh, this was released September 26, 1962. Number one film for the weekend, by the way, spoilers, carnival of souls. Who'd have thought, um, We'll get into more. This is this is an aberration of a film, right? Like this is. I think that's part of the reason why you dig this, because like it shouldn't exist, right? All things considered, we'll get into more of that later. 
number one song, Sherry by the Four Seasons. Um, the Beverly Hillbillies actually premiered at this time. So there we oh, go. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching the Beverly Hillbillies a, a little bit more recently. And uh, the Four Seasons has such great they do. music. They have a lot. Like, the, the, a lot of Motown, a lot of fun stuff. I, my my mother, like like growing up, she raised me on like Motown and like you know like like sixties rock, right? Do wop and, and that. Yes. Like, uh, that Oof. yeah. Same thing. Yeah. I grew up with my grandparents, and it was the same situation. Like I, I think some of the the things that I appreciate now is solely based on the fact that I grew up with my grandparents and that style of music. And I understand that maybe that doesn't connect with people, like depending upon their age group, but like. Yes, like you mentioned, doo wop, like that, that. That's there's something there, right? Like just it, it, it scratches an itch that I didn't know I had, right? But that's what I grew up with. So yeah, the Four Seasons is amazing. Uh, but yeah, uh, what was it? Um, within three weeks, uh, the Beverly Hillbillies was the most watched, most watched series on American television, and it stayed number one for its first two seasons. The show had 274 episodes, with the final one broadcasting March 23rd, 1971. Um, yeah. How many times could Jethro be an idiot? That's what I got to ask you, right? Do you, well, do, it's the ignorance. I mean, even, uh, Gomer Pyle, like yes. that, 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 that show ran for a while too. And then even Gilligan's Island, like, oh yeah, I, I yeah, like, like, let, let's get real here. I mean, there were some shows that ran for a long time and it was built on idiocy. I just, all right, um, one of the things I remember from Beverly Hillbillies, there's a bit where they're doing like grilling hot dogs, like by the swimming pool. And he and Jethro asked for a hot dog, and then somebody's like, "Well, do you want a raw?" He's like, "No, I'm wearing swim trunks on." <laughs> <laughs> there, 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 there is a station that is, um, uh, I guess, digital here. Yes. I guess in the Cleveland area called Laugh. Yeah, and like I, yeah. I, on Sundays that they they uh, run a marathon of the Beverly Hillbillies, and I. I I, I think it's a lot of fun because it's like it's not something that I would put on for myself, but I'm like, hey, it's a station I can get. So I'm making chicken that day. I'm like, this is fun. Are you <laughs> making it? Are you making it in the raw? Or you're wearing swim trunks on. That's what I'm making. I'm making it in the raw. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were, like the episodes they were running too. Um, <sighs> it was when they had a cousin, but it was the one. It was the one dude in drag. Um, oh, what's the, what was the, the grandson's name? I can't remember, but that, you know, that look at, look at, look at the Beverly Hillbillies being like ahead of, ahead of its time, probably it was, being it was terrible, totally but also, it, yeah. Yeah. Because it was like, it was totally the dude in drag, but they, they overdubbed it in a woman's voice, which well, was okay, hilarious. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. But no, but like, um, I, the, the Drysdales and also the gentleman that played, um, was a Jed clamp and I forget his name right now. He was in an episode of the original Twilight Zone series. It was, um, oh, oh, it was the, um, it was a season three episode. Uh, it, it, not called the pusher. That's not what it's called, but anyway, but, um, yeah. So like, yeah, like, it was a big deal, right? So we we like just it's 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 a mainstay. Um, but I'll, I'll point this out: while this movie came out, it was between the season three episode of the original series called "The Arrival." Sorry, season sorry. It was um, that was episode two uh, of season three called "The Arrival," which um, and then also episode three, "The Shelter." So that was the last um, of the Serling and Buck Houghton produced seasons. So just so people know, that's what I have uh, for day and date. So um, anything else do, do you have? Do you want to comment on the abilities? I don't know. Anyway. The episode that you're uh, referring to is actually from season two, episode 21. 
it's the prime mover. So yeah, oh, so I, we do have a th- connection. Thank there. you for mentioning the Twilight Zone episode versus the Beverly Hillbillies episode because I was like, oh my gosh, that's oddly specific. So thank you for that. Yes. No, but, I just yeah. I love that. And like that, and there was an episode of Night Gallery, Night Gallery that uh, Jed or or uh, the guy that we're not talking about today, uh, Buddy Edson. Yeah, Buddy so. Epson. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's his name. Yeah, but the prime mover. Um, yes. That's a fun episode. So anyway, um, yeah, let's get into um, uh, Carnival of Souls. The, uh, the the cast may not be as well known or or even the people involved, but there is a story here, right? So let's get into who did what. So take it away, Terry. Okay, so our director on this is also the one of the story writers on this and also one of the main, quote unquote, main actors. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into it. But we have Herc uh, Harvin, Harvey, I'm sorry. Um, so he didn't do any other features after this. Uh, not sure why that was, but here, here we go. But yeah, so one of the things I, w- I would love to bring up because, uh, you know, it's getting close, close to that time of season for us. Uh, he did a Halloween safety short, which is kind of fun. And then in an episode of Reading Rainbow, so you know. So yeah, the big thing with Herc Harvey, this is this was a fun thing to get dig into. Him and his writer, uh, John Clifford. Um, so they they were partners for years and years and years, for like thirty years, right? So while teaching and directing um, at the university, I think it was somewhere in Kansas, Harvey broke into the film business as an actor in some of the movies being made by Centron. Uh, which is a Centaur Corporation of Lawrence, Kansas, where the bulk of this film was shot, an independent, an an industrial uh, educational film production company. Uh, So um, he um, would go on to, he joined the staff in 52, went on to work for Centron's film director, writer, producer for over three decades and an actor making a variety of short industrial educational documentary and government films. Um, films he created, created by Harvey, including with his co-writer, John Clifford includes shake hands with danger. Have I, I think, have we shown you that here at our house? If you don't know this educational film, it's an industrial film called shake hand with danger that was covered by, um, riff tracks. Um, it's a lot of fun. Maybe. Yeah. I don't believe I've seen that Oh, one. it is. It's fun in the sense of like a terrific, <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, about like it's an industrial safety film. It is you look at like how many things can turn sideways, and you hear this like um like this Johnny Cash type of song of like bird shake hands with danger. I, I love these oh, things too because yes. I I work in an industrial area. Oh, uh, I cannot wait to show you. Like watching it by itself is a hoot, but then watching it with the commentary is even better. Tra- so, training videos in general or uh, uh, who yeah uh, so yeah but to find out that this guy him and his, this writer here did shake hands with danger which i knew before carnival souls i'm like oh dear god this is a lot of fun so yeah um so then uh with her carvey and his first wife uh bia uh b were divorced in 60 due to um the latter's infidelity that's according to the website i don't i'm not going to speak to that shortly afterward harvey met uh pauline uh pappas who was one of the investors for Carnival of Souls. The two were married in 67. So that was a big deal. Um, so then, like, I'll also mention later on, 
uh, when a crew uh, uh, from ABC came to Lawrence, Kansas in 82 to shoot the controversial, controversial TV movie called the day after, I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. It's like, what if like a nuke hit the U S right? It's about the day after uh, it's, hmm. it's a very, very powerful made for TV film that I saw in high school. They cast Harvey in a small speaking role as a farmer while also casting a handful of local thespians. So yeah, it was, um, it was a big deal in 83. Uh, but yeah, he and John Clifford, which we're going to talk about in a minute, they worked together forever making a bunch of these like, um, like industrial government films, but they had to have a director. They had to have a writer. You know what I mean? Like they, they were trying to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear for 30 years. Right. And if you look on YouTube, there is an interview with the both of them um, from like the late eighties, early nineties talking about carnival of souls. And you can just tell like, they're the nicest guys in the world. And they, like they had a fun, fun time together. And this happened to be the one time that they ventured out of this, like, com- like not commercial, but like industrial filmmaking area to make mm-hmm. a different type of film. So, yeah, they're, they're, it's like you can tell these guys just like they're like, yeah, we have an idea for a horror film. We'll talk about more in a minute. And this is like the one time they did something commercially, com- commercially, commercially versus like, you know, being like part of like this industrial film house. So, yeah, anyway, and it, yeah. it is a quite a different film. Uh, <laughs> I, even in the 60s, this is a very different film. So I, 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 if anybody ever has seen this film and can really deconstruct what it is, it is a very art house kind of film. Well, but like by uh, everybody's uh, expectations after, right? I don't think they expected it to be an art house film. It just, it, it took off once it entered like the European market, like meaning that they were more like they were more willing to appreciate like the abstractness of it versus the American audiences. And then that, that it's fair. But um, just the way it was shot though, I mean, there were so many like static shots that are so strange and yeah. Yeah. We'll get into it. Then. Yeah, we'll we're we're going to get into it. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but yeah, this is um, written by John Clifford, like, you know, co co-creator with uh, our director, Herc Henry. He was a good writer on shake hands with danger, <laughs> but he also was the writer, which I think, uh, her also directed a film called, uh, to touch a child from 1962. Yeah. I saw that there. And I was like, did you see the byline for this? Like, I don't, I I don't even want to. No, 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 no. Let me read the byline like for it, which is way worse than what you think. Uh, cook school in Flint, Michigan is in trouble. I mean, we're not talking about the water that was later. Um, all the students are getting killed, arrested, yelled at and injured. By the way, wait, yelled at's the last one you mentioned versus getting killed. Anyway, yelled at and injured because the after school activity facilities are always closed. Finally, the school wises up and soon there's no more chaos. Well, anyway, (laughs) wow. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, there we go. Yeah. The sixties are weird. Um, anyways. Um, so yeah, we'll go into our cast, I guess here, which is, I I mean, it's, it's a lengthy cast if you want it to be, but I don't know how far we want to go into these. It's not much. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll go, we'll get bit by bit here and just kind of fire them off. Uh, Candace, uh, Hildegas, yeah. Hildegas. Um, she plays Mary. 
Uh, she was in an episode of uh, Quincy M.E. And that's kind of her career. Yeah, um, she only has six credits. Of- yeah. Oh, sorry, seven credits. Yeah. She was yeah. more of a well, known as a model. Yeah. Sorry, continue, please. Well, she was also um, in one of the notes that I, I, I found out that she was uh, she was let go by one of her, her managers, like her, like, uh, what was it, uh, her talent agent or mm-hmm. whatever. They were just like, yeah, I'm good with you. <laughs> after seeing this film, after seeing this film, she was like, they were like, nah, I'm, I'm good on this Candace chick. I mean, how, how, I mean, like, we're going to get to this in a minute, like, like talking about how, like, um, you know, this like kind of was like inspiring Night of Living Dead, right? Like how different is she than Barbara? Not that far off. She has more to do than Barbara does, right? Like, oh, yeah, she does because Barbara and, and Night of Living Dead is one of my favorite films of all time. So let me not pull put shame against that film or the character but barbara is very catatonic in that film and she's not given a lot of levity as a character well but even with mary like like as much as she's whiplashy back and forth at least she has something to do i'll just put it that way right so yeah and trying to understand what is going on around her Mm -hmm. after a traumatic experience yeah so but yeah, we'll get back into that. Um, but yeah, so we have Francis uh, Feast. Feist, I think uh, Feast or Feist, Feist whatever. Feist. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Mrs. Thompson, she was uh, the landlord lady, I believe. Yeah. Um. So this was her last role. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Six credits. You know. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, the, whatever. The one thing I will say, and to kind of like give bearing to what we're doing here, as far as cast, uh, Candace was the only paid actress on this set. Like she was the only one that was a trained actress for this entire film. So I just think that that's kind of interesting. And if, uh, you know, we don't go deep into certain characters, just because there, there was, there was absolutely nothing for Thank you for bringing this up because like, like aside from, I just want to mention the next credit because that's about it. Aside from, um, you know, we've talked about, um, our director who also plays a role in this as well, like a predominant role. Um, the next, the other character I want to mention is, uh, Sidney Berger as John Linden, who, um, like playing rapes McGee, whatever. Anyway, date rapes McGee, sorry, John Linden. Um, he's only in this and then the remake, which whatever, right? Everybody else here is very much like, um, very much stage actors or only credits or whatever. This is the epitome of an independent film. And, um, I will say like even more, more so than night of living dead, because they had more paid actors on that set. Than they did on this one. Too. Fair enough, and that, that, that it's very evident, which is not that's not a detriment to this film, but it's one of those things. that's like you look at like you look at like um like I watched this like you can just you can find this like it's it, it's um um what what's the the word I'm looking for? It's uh it's in the public, public domain. domain. Yeah, but there's yeah. some really good scans of this. It's like this film should look good as look look as good as it does because it's a very low budget black and white film. Uh, but it looks really, really good. You can find it, right? Like, um, yeah, because yeah. they they did a great transfer of it in '89. Apparently, that like revitalized the film from like yeah. pretty much trash from what it was. Um, and, there was and, yeah, it picked up quite a bit of that. lost scenes. Yeah, 
Yeah. There was one lost reel, right? That got like over, like it got overdeveloped, right? Like yeah. we talked, yeah. But like for the most part, like this is one of those movies. It's like, it's like it, it shouldn't look as good as it does. I mean, and that's nothing against it, right? Cause it looks, when you look at the black and white, which one of the things that like we talk about the Twilight Zone, we're about to get them back into like the second season, the eighties iteration. There's something about the crispness of, crispness of black and white filmmaking. If it's, right. if it's shot right, developed right, there there is something there that is very effective and very haunting in this and, film. And there's a yeah. way to clean it up that's a lot easier than a lot of like, yeah. other. Because also, like, so. like when, it, like, did you see? Did you watch any of the colorized versions of this that's online? It's, it just feels like no, it, that, it, that, 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 that it's frustrating. It's, it's very frustrating. <laughs> it's, well, but it's like, um, riff tracks did a live like version of this, uh, which is fun. I've watched a little bit of it. Like, I mean, you know, this film, like you can take the piss out of it. It's fine. Like, like whatever. Right. Like this and like this Island earth, like whatever, have your fun with it. Right. But the version it did live was the colorized version. I'm like, you know what? You give it its credit. Cause black and white, this film's kind of gorgeous at times, right? Like, so, um, and the, the people involved, they knew how to shoot black and white. And I think colorizing it robs it of its, like, its potency in some ways. But yeah, like, I don't know if you have any other credits. Like, there's a, everybody else here, like, I don't know, like, guy at Water Fountain staring at camera. I don't know. But like, it's just, whatever. There's one guy named Steve Boozer. Credit to him. That was the guy that was, like, ribbing, um, um, what was it? Uh, John about like, Oh, look at that piece at the bar. That was weird. His name was Boozer. So I thought it was appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Boozer is the, the one that I was going to bring up just because of his name, because it, it seems befitting because yeah. of his surroundings and that. That's about and he right. just seemed like, he's just seemed like a skeezy dude. Yeah. So but, also, yeah. by the way, I just want to point out that if you're ever in a film, Terry, you should be called Lake zombie. That's why I think that you should also be called that or I, I, dancing well, zombie. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I might be called Great Lake Zombie. Great but, Lake um, Zombie. <laughs> yeah, it, there, yeah, there's there really isn't a whole lot to bring here as far as the cast, and that, that, that's not to the detriment of the people that are in this film. It's just that they were not in anything that it was of notoriety. This is this is the epitome of an independent film, especially for them. Yeah. My gosh, like it. Yeah, because we we could talk about the inspiration of where like this came from, and also how. Um, the when they made the film and how they got kind of screwed over by the um, distribution company. I don't know if you know about that or not. Um, they got robbed, and that's why this film ended up in the public domain. The people that were behind this kind of took their money and run. Like it's a whole thing where this thing kind of fell apart. And then also listening to this brief interview, I like I talked about like the late eighties, early nineties, where the director and the writer were like, "Oh, we're known for our greatest financial failure." <laughs> it, it, it probably so there was a from my um, research there was an 89 reunion of this where they were so not only was the the film coming back and being uh redistributed and that and like they did a transfer that was a hell of a lot better than what it was but they did a reunion mm-hmm. and the the director slash writer slash um actor the like b man the creepy man or whatever yeah he wore the makeup 
that at the reunion. Him. No, he seemed like he yeah. was down. He like the whole thing is like, but the whole thing is like with him and like his writer, like they're sitting on this, like, like they're sitting like during the interview, they're sitting on the bank of the river where the car went off the bridge. Hell yeah. Um, and by the way, I don't know if you saw the trivia about that too, which is funny how they took an actual car and dumped it off this bridge. And then the city of Lawrence, Kansas is like, you're going to break that bridge. We're going to charge you $12 to fix I the know. bridge. <laughs> that would never happen though. It would never happen. Yeah, he, even then he was like, that would not go that way today. And it's like, you got to take that car out of the water. Like, I think that's amazing. I think it's amazing. It's like, Oh, $12 worth of wood. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So, Just, yeah. like, I, yeah. again, it, yeah. like, if you are a uh, a person that is thinking about doing a film, do it at the cheapest cost because <laughs> it still looks beautiful today. Like, it yeah. still looks like a real problem of like a oh, a car falling yeah, like, into the river. No, no, no. That's a, like, like, okay. So, like, uh, I know normally we go we go step by step through a film. Right. I don't know. Like, this is such a weird, it's like, it's like, okay. It's so a, it's a really weird film to deconstruct, but like, we're going to, we're kind of going through it as we talk. Uh, yeah. So. so I'll say that I'll say about this, like the rest of the cast, like they did, they did their best. Like we appreciate them. And, and thank you for they, all your they, service. They were right? characters. Yeah. 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 They, they were there. Um, I will tell people this film was free to watch on public domain. Watch. I think it's worthy of a Get watch. It. It's less than 90 minutes. Um, watch it unironically. Please and thank you. And then, like I said, I started watching the Rift Tracks version of it, and was that's fun too. Um, I think it's important because um, because of it being an independent film, and I think there's some creepy ideas in here that are worthy of note. I think there's some story beats in here that are worthy of note. Um, however, do I think this is a complete film? No, because there's there are bits and pieces here that are lacking. Right? It's it's. Yeah. Not it's not a complete movie. However, I think I think the older I get, the more I appreciate the swing for the fences. And you're trying, and there's kind of a there there is a confidence in this film the entire time that is not earned, but I appreciate it. Right? Like I don't know, like just especially like when we do the setup with um with our our character talking to a doctor that is not a therapist. We find out later. Yeah, and when, like yeah. on the street, like yeah, like the, man on the street. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll all help you. you find what doctor. kind of doctor are you? I'm a dentist. Shh, you didn't say he was a dentist. You know, but whatever. But then yeah, he's, he's back. Like, I'm turned. a podiatrist. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm a podiatrist. Yeah. Like all your feet sound like they're sane, but the rest of you is nuts. Anyway, no, but um, yeah, he's back turned, so we can set that up later. It's like it, it's very like hackneyed, but I enjoy it. Right, like it's very um, but anyway, but the whole thing. The whole bit, like, I love this movie starts off like, hey, you guys want a drag race? I'm like, yeah, it's the 60s. There's nothing on TV. What else are we going to do? Just drive cars around like idiots. Like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, cigarettes and booze could only take us so far, you know. But then, like, the whole sequence where the car goes off the bridge is very sudden and jarring. Because I'm like, I knew this was a lower budget film. Like, I wasn't expecting that. And also, by the way... I kind of like the, the the title sequence of this film, right? The title sequence is, is kind of off-putting and different. I really dig it. Like, I love the credit sequence for this. I know it's a small thing, but it goes a long way. No, the the fact that the credit sequence happens when it does makes a hell of a lot more sense. Because you, you, 
it, it thrusts you into the storyline. But like the geography, and, and, like I'm sorry, not geography, but the placement of the credits is very off kilter, right? It's very, it's not what you're expecting, right? Like, right. It's it's very cool, right? Because we had this card in the water, um, and then after that, we end up like the big thing is we have our main character. <laughs> after and it, by the, but yeah, it also ahead. gives geography too. Yes. Yeah. Like, but then we end up having like everybody like, oh, go that car went in the water, and then everyone's like, what we're we gonna do? It's like, well, I'm gonna throw this like you know bit of like I'm gonna throw this line with a hook on it. Maybe we'll catch the car. Um, Terry, have, have you ever been fishing? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> so, how much I hate do you, fishing? <laughs> how much do you catch if you just put a sinker on a hook? Let the, the, the let, you know, like talking. Like, <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Yeah. So I'm telling I, I, them, yeah, they just took this hook and just threw it in the water. Like, I don't know if we're going to find anything. I'm like, I mean, you're trying to catch a car at the bottom of a river. <laughs> you know, like that car's not, it, you can't put a worm on that hook or a piece of corn. It's not coming back. You know, anyway, so. Well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought it was a, I thought it was a giant magnet that they kept on throwing out. Sure. I mean, like, fine. Right. Like, I mean. Like it, it's so, my like, my wife called this out too. But now thinking about it, I'm like, if you threw a big magnet out, and then all of a sudden you can't pull it back so easily, isn't that proof that you found metal? Something, right? Like, I mean, like, yeah. So, I, I, like, I, like, I think that's kind of what they were trying to achieve. But I maybe get I'm it. wrong. I get it. It's like it's a small town. You only have so much you can do, and they 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 openly commented on like this car's like depending upon how the river's going and the sand and whatever, like. I get it. I do. Right. But then when we get our main character, like, like there are a handful of really stunning shots in this film um, with her coming out of the water and walking on that sandbank. Right. And just walking up and just covered in mud, being black and white, um, knowing that we're not too far away from Night of the Living Dead after this. And like Psycho, she looks traumatized. And it's a beautiful shot. It's a beautiful shot of her. But everybody was like staring at her and she's like, I'm good. And then it just cuts to her like, you know, being okay the next day, driving a car, working the organs. Sorry. Sorry. She's she's a, a organ player. Like, that's not a euphemism, right? She plays the organ. Um, yeah. But everyone's like, oh, you're okay. We'll let you go. You're not traumatized. <laughs> um yeah, it's which the 60s. Is, which that's not really all that far removed from a lot of the kind of like mentality of. Oh like, no no no! It's oh, like there's no looks, trauma. She looks okay. Yeah, yeah she's like, fine. Like cat thing. You yeah, know? <laughs> she's like, fine, right? Like, yeah, but like I love the bit that we see her go to like. There's some interesting cuts here too, where she goes to turn like her car, like the car key on, and it cuts to her like turning on like what was it like the organ and playing the, this church organ that's like in this this factory, right? And she like. Like, by the way, also, I want to mention before I forget, um, being this as low budget as it is, um, using um, pipe organ music as like a main, like a through line for this film with her being a professional organist um, is a really, it's a stroke of genius because then you can kind of justify the weirdness of the music and make it still like very much, not orchestral because it's not, but very much like professional sounding. Cause you have this pipe organ, right? And it can make it very sound. You could make it sound way more expensive than it is. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Like, well, I th- it, yeah. it totally makes sense. I mean, especially with a lot of that stuff is 
public domain itself too it's like that's fair right, well but it, it gives cheap, it gives cheap, it more, cheap choss. it gives it a gravity right so um yeah yeah and, um, and yeah. it's like i mean there's not a lot of people that would gravitate towards that kind of profession so it's like she has a very niche kind of thing yeah. going on here and with her like playing that and you get the idea that everybody kind of stops right and they're like oh that's amazing she's like yeah like like it sounds good, and it's like, well, we're gonna send you. you know, we're gonna send you from uh, Kansas to Utah to go be a professional organist in this church in, in Salt Lake City. Which, by the way, I'm gonna like spoilers. There's not that many Catholics in Salt Lake City. Just putting that. <laughs> there's a bigger. There's a bigger religion base there. Not many Catholics there. Wait a minute. What? What are you trying to say? <laughs> anyway. So I like that it's like, she's like, oh, it's a job's a job. And the guy's like, well, you know, if you want to come back, she's like, I'm never coming back again. It's like, fair enough. Shit, shit's messed up where you're at. Right. So I get but, that. So, here's the other thing that is kind of a through line. The, the, her ability in playing the organ is almost like angelic. Like people stop and yeah. listen to her too, but like, she, she has such an ability to. She's so like, good at what she does, but she doesn't feel a connection to it. It's very mechanical, right? That like, you get the idea that she's very disconnected. She studied this. It's very like with her even. Well, being that's a, that's yeah. a good point yeah. because um, because there's a scene here in a little bit that, uh, well, you know, it gets a little weird. Yeah, but what like so. This is like, but also being like this, um, like articulate about like what you do in terms of being nuanced and experienced, even when she's being hired by this church, like we find out later when she gets there that she's in this area that's separated. Right. And it's like, Mm -hmm. she feels more of a connection to doing this, but I'm not saying it's a spiritual connection because like, she will like talk about that. She doesn't feel connected to anything. It's she's more at home doing this versus connecting with people and even though she's hired to be an organist um she still doesn't have to actually communicate with anybody right so i think that's i like just like secluded yeah you know it's just like which i mean usually organists are like even when you go to a baseball game yeah (laughs) so okay all right so real quick i'm gonna tell you my joke are you ready for my joke oh here it is <laughs> did you did you ever hear the one about the woman that fell in love with uh, the priest? No. She chased him around all around the church and finally grabbed him by the organ. Oh. Did anybody laugh? <laughs> you did now, right? <laughs> Come on. That's a great joke. Stop it. Anyway, so uh. yeah. You stop it. Let me, right. let me, let me, sorry, let me say it again. She chased him around until she finally grabbed him by the organ. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. That's pretty great. Anyway. Just <laughs> no. So, okay. So, she drives out to Salt Lake City. Um, she's like, I'm going to go straight through the night from Kansas to South, to to Utah, which is a haul, by the way. Like, because she's going from the middle of America Damn to right Utah. It is. Like, yeah. That is, that is not an easy ride. No, even, no, today's not an easy ride. Even then, it's like you're driving a car that gets That's three miles. To, it, it gets three miles to the gallon on, like, you know, like, and it's full of lead burning your brain out. And it, like, this you know, is like, 19. All right. So this film was filmed in 1961. The freeways are not what yeah. they are today, no, no, no. folks. Like you're like you gotta drive six miles to go to the gas station. We don't understand this. It's fine. Like it's not. Where and we're her at. hair looks beautiful, and her yeah. dress looks wonderful. 
by the time she gets her. No, no. That, that, that's the part I don't believe. <laughs> like, yeah. if I'm driving that far, I I probably peed in a lot of Gatorade <laughs> bottles. Or, and, like, I'm sweaty as AF, you know. It's it's not it's no good. Yeah, no, like like so when we find out that like Inger Stevens was like driving cross country, right? In terms of the was it the hitchhiker in the Twilight Zone episode, like at least there we still saw her going to like different like you know like places, you know. For, but this was like Kansas to Utah. It's fine, right? So like, um, for, forgive me for finding that to be a stretch too far, but like whatever. Anyway, so. So she goes to Utah, and then uh, we she's going to a, like a service station. But right before she's about to find her boarding house, she sees a structure in the distance um, that is a very uh, uh, Terry describe the structure because it's it's interesting looking. Oh, uh, like the the building? Yeah, the mean? building called Salt. Uh, did you look up the information for this? I no? did. I I did look up. Okay, uh, it was the Salt Saltaire. God, Saltaire. Um or salt air um, is it was supposed to be originally announced. Um, this building was originally constructed in like the 1920s. Uh, like it's really, really early in its uh, construction. And um, it was supposed to be the Coney Island kind of of the West. And originally it, it didn't do very well. Um, so, you know, like bands like, um, uh, Glenn Miller would perform there and they, they would, I mean, it kind of got popular for a second, but this being on the, the great salt Lake, it didn't get kind of the notoriety that they were hoping for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it like it had, it, it burned down in the seventies. Well, no, the first one, the first one burned down in 25 and then they got rebuilt. And yeah, this I, is my, the one, I have my notes, but they're no, no, no. I, the one we're the one we're going to talk about tonight during our show. Um, it, it also it eventually, um, what was it? Sixty seven. Another fire happened in <laughs> sixty seven. So the one we're talking about this evening, Saltaire two, um, fell apart. And after that, there was a Saltaire three that was built a mile after this one. Um, so they kept trying. They kept trying to make the Saltera thing, right? Like, because at yeah. first, yeah, it was a whole thing. So um, while we're talking, Terry, here's my, here, I, I teased you. I teased you uh, some information. Um, so I'm going to send you uh, my first photo right now. You're going to tell me what this is. I'll describe it to you. I'm texting it to you right now. Text Everybody, this okay. is real time. I apologize for all this. All right. <laughs> I, have, I have my phone, all right? We are doing this real time. Real time. Because <laughs> what is what is this? Describe it. I'll, I'll explain it. Describe what you think you see. Uh, <laughs> well, I see a staircase that looks like it's made out of marble, and it looks like uh, Guillermo from What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, <laughs> like, who is uh, that? It's me in my twenties. My God, thank you. That's you in your twenties. <laughs> you look like Guillermo. <laughs> so I went I, I, during college in my junior senior year. I went I you went to went, Salt Lake City. You did not go there. Yeah, I did. I did Salt Lake City like, like for real? for a conference in my twenties. Right? Is that and is that real? You that's that's like- really me. That's that's um, Salt Lake City, the the capital, right? 
And so the, oh. like, so uh, like I'll explain this in a second. I promise you that marble staircase um, was like where were they taking a tour that night? Um, that's where a bunch of wedding photos are being taken. <laughs> so I was like, quick, quick, quick. Nobody appreciated me doing that. So anyway, so here is the second photo I'll send you and please describe this. And then I'll send you the third one and I'll explain to you how bad this photo is after the, the third one. Are, are these all from religious locations or what? Like, but No, it's like, it's Salt Lake City. <laughs> I promise you. Please and thank you. Okay. So there is a. That's a, that's uh, not a Gilmore. That's me. At the sunset of the Great Salt Lake. Right. So. All right. Yeah. So you ready for the third it's, one? It's a beautiful picture. Yeah, thank you. Look at this one. Look how bad this picture is. I'm going to see the third one. And it looked to your right when I show you this picture. You're going to, the, please zoom into the right because I took the wrong photo with this. Okay. So uh, here it comes. Zoom in to the right. Tell me. Tell me what you see off to the right. Off to the right. Yeah. Uh, I. It's I. Don't know. It's I, an I, onion it's, top from the Saltair two. So I was I was there at the sorry at Saltair three. I was there for the reconstruction of the Saltair, and I knew it. I saw the onion top. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So I've been I've been at an iteration of the structure, and I just I had this moment watching this film like I've been there, not the one in this film, <laughs> but I've been there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That that's the the, the biggest. Uh, issue here is yeah that it, it's not the exact same location it's not the exact same structure because yeah. not only did the first one burn down i believe but then there was flooding yeah uh, no it's, it's very much one. it's very much an overlooked situation but i just wanted to point out how bad that third photo is that i um i wanted to show you that like i took a photo of like these weird like train cars to the left of it versus the actual structure i was there i took I took a poor photo in my twenties. <laughs> this is actually pretty sweet because um, I I will I will make sure to put that photo on the Facebook page. Show so, it's almost like it's almost like like I was telling my wife because like like we we were taking a bit to record tonight. I was like I know I have a photo of this. I know I've seen this before. And then I showed her that I was like it's almost like if somebody took a photo of Bigfoot and they put their thumb in front of the camera. <laughs> that's how bad this photo is. I want to make sure people see that you can see one ninetieth of the Saltair three. So and anyway. I think, I think uh, like if you're in the Cleveland area, I think you can get to this from I 80 pretty quickly. <laughs> so, so that's what I'm looking up right now that I 80 will take you to Saltair three. So sure, that's sure. awesome. So anyway, yeah, I thought you'd and, appreciate and apparently that. Band, apparently bands will still play there. Okay. Well, that's cool. I just thought you'd appreciate so, that. I actually, I, 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 it was one of those moments in my life. I'm like, I think I've been there. <laughs> so if, yeah. if ghost ever plays out there, I'm there, if, dude. Ghost. Yeah. Right. Anyway. So I, I've drugged this too long, too long. I, 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 forgive me, but the whole thing is we get to Utah She's trying to play the organ and and like the, the priest there is like, Hey, you know, like let's do a reception. She's like, I don't want to feel like I'm connected to anything, whatever. I'm fine. But he was also like, you're pretty BA. It's like, like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. thank God you're here. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but the whole thing is like, then eventually like where she's at and her, like the, um, the boarding house she's at with, it's like two rooms. It's her. And then the other guy, 
Um, it's like this whole thing where it's like the bulk of the middle of the movie um, is her like it's it, it, this this whole thing takes the place over like a week, which is crazy to me. Like you get to everything, but how the other guy's like, hey, I know there's a woman here. She's pretty cute. I'm going to like like try to bring my like I'm going to try to keep hitting on her the entire time. Um, yeah, Creepy McGee is like he is bad. He's Jesus really bad. Like it just he is like he's like he's like he smells chum in the water and he's like let's go. He's baby. he's like Louis C.K. aggressive, right? Like it's so bad. Like he's like oh how dare you turn me on? It's like she's pretty. Like and this is actually not a joke, people. Like this is for real. If oh, you've it's seen this so film, uncomfortable. You you can a- so associate with this. Pretty quickly, like this dude is the one, and I know there. I mean, maybe there's halfway houses now, but we don't really get these kind of situations um, where, like, somebody's just renting a room in a giant house so much anymore. I mean, there might be situations like that, but this is like it was a lot more predominant back in the day. Uh, and th- this girl was this poor girl, uh, Mary, is trying to just like get along, move on with her life after losing i believe it's two of her friends and just like all right well i'm just i'm gonna move i'm gonna take this job and all of a sudden creepy mcgee here of uh john it's like yeah um i'm gonna be rapey the entire time the entire time that you're living in this house yeah no it's like he's being like aggressive whatever because like um the the person that's like trying to like work the house like she's also weird too like oh oh that you have a private bathroom i don't care how many baths you take i'm not upset about that i'm like oh it's 1960s like what like how many baths should you take during the week like terry i don't know we're in 2023 right how many i mean i'm not saying like how often like sorry forgive me for getting personal like you know how often do you take a shower? I don't know about you. Me, it's daily. I like for the uh, most part. Uh, yeah, you know? I, I aim for seven times a week, yeah. <laughs> if not more. <laughs> like you know, like if not more. You know, especially in the summertime, oh, could be a lot more. <laughs> yeah, like it, like um, like for for me, it's like um, like like I I, I was How sticky, I, am I? I was no no no. I'm saying like I I was I was feeling under the weather like the last couple of days, which is why we're delaying this recording, which will still be released on time. Um, I woke up today after like my fever breaking, and I was like, I smell like a trash pile. I can't deal with this. Like you know, like like if I could take three showers a day and have my skin leave my body, I'd be okay with it. But like I like how it's like you could take as many baths as you want. I'm like, well, that's creepy. I, I'm I'm. I'm- I well, like to peel back the curtain or peel back my skin, like if I'd like to right now. I just had um, poison ivy, really, really bad. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to take showers as often as possible so I can exfoliate my skin because um, all it is is just dead flesh that I want to get off of me. It's it's bad. It's the most, honestly, this is probably the most uncomfortable in my skin I've ever felt my entire life. <laughs> So people understand that. So yeah, anyway, but like, so like after uh date rapes, McGee was like talking to our main character the next morning. He's like, Oh, Hey, 
I have coffee and suddenly she's all about it. And it's like, okay, like, like, so, okay. We'll, we'll like this. We can fast forward. We've been talking about this for a bit, but like, she's much more amicable to him in the morning when the lights out, like, cause the whole thing also too, she keeps seeing images of this guy, right? Like we kept, we didn't mention this, like this, like dead guy. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a pale skin. Yeah. And um, that image of her driving out to eyes. Utah is very effective. That image and the face and the, the windows, very effective. Let's like, let's. Let, let, it's let, at random scenes too, because yeah. there'll be like, you know, like she's just doing a normal activity in her, her small room. And all of a sudden she just sees this guy in the water, submerged in water. That's really, really creepy. <laughs> like. Yeah, it, it, I mean, like I, I, you know, I, I know fever nightmares and everything that, like fever dreams, but this is just like she's just actively just doing a thing in a day, and then like she's experiences these memories of like, wait, whoa, what, what just happened there? Yeah. and then like, so she looks around and she's like, wait, no one else saw that? Yeah. <laughs> so like the whole thing is like during the day things are fine, but then like we get her. Uh, trying to do shopping and we get this weird like watery effect where people aren't pay- like they're not acknowledging her which is very creepy very twilight zone and then she's wandering around people don't see her and then like eventually she hears she hears a bird chirp and then she's back to reality that's when we get to the doctor talking to her because like she keeps seeing this guy um, and she feels disjointed from reality but she also feels emotionally disjointed from reality which fair enough um, so then that, that's what happens back and forth. Right. And then we end up having her going to the bar at night with, um, rapey McGee, who is upset that she's not drinking and then goes over to other rapey McGee <laughs> that wants to like horn in on his girl. He's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm raping McGee as well. Right. <laughs> you know, like whatever, like it's a whole thing where she doesn't want to be alone because if she's alone, she feels like, you know, like it's just, you know. Like, um, you know, it's just the whole thing, right? It's just like, it's very like the older, I guess the more that we're more aware of how people should treat people, this feels terrible. And I know it felt terrible at the time because it should be right. Cause we're supposed to be sympathetic to our main character where she's like, yeah, sometimes I want to be with somebody. Sometimes I don't. But also, like, talk to her about why she feels that way versus telling her that she's stupid and she needs to drink, right? Like, that's a whole, like, it, it, like he's like, oh, you're stringing me along. It's like, she's always, like, you're only thinking that you're, that you're being strung along is because you have an expectation. You've never asked her what she wants. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's a good point. You know, and even when we first are introduced, or int- like introduced, rather, to her character, um, she has no dialogue. Yeah. So like that, that whole, um, chase, not chase, but, uh, drag. Car, yeah. The, the car, the car drag race. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's just a passenger. Like we don't, we don't understand her character at all. So it's just like, all right, so what is she doing here? Why is she even like, does she know any of these people at all? For all we know, she could have been being just transported to another scene. Yeah. You know? And cause she, it, it, she doesn't really seem like very sociable at all. Yeah. And she's made it very clear about her boundaries. Right. But like, it's just, I don't know. It's like a whole thing where 
you could read into this about her, like her connectivity that is um, fading back and forth between like reality and not reality, humanity, not humanity, especially get to the end. Um, And I think that's fair. I think that's valid. And I think it's interesting. It's just, I don't think it's played like, I think viewing this in 2023 um, is very, like we have a much more nuanced, understanding of like what films are supposed to be or not. That's not the right way. I want to say it approaching films where there are right. Um, and when you pitch this being saying like, it's a creepy film, there's something to dig into. Um, I think that it has its audience and it's been like, and credit to those that saw it for what it was at the time. However, for being a independent film, when it was released, I can see how people are like, this is a bit goofy. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's not consistent, but I think you and I are both better at like filling in the gaps mentally as we watch this. Yeah. And, and you know, there, there's been a, a lapse of time for me to see this for the longest. Um, and, and like for, I think it was when I finally saw this film. So I'm 40 now. I think I saw it oh, for the so first young. time. You're a summer child. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, you <laughs> shut up. I think I, I think I saw this for the first time six or seven years ago. And I was, it, it, it made an impact immediately. Yeah. Just because I, I think that there are a lot of themes that are going on here now that, especially with our main character, Mary, that maybe mental instability might be a theme here. Um, yeah, I, I'm not the, the most sound of mine. And there's definitely been times where I'm like, is this a dream? Is this a memory? Uh, like there's been times where like things are going on in my, my normal life. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm you know, <laughs> again, I'm not the most of sound of mine, but it's like, there are some, there are certain themes here that I gravitated towards immediately. I'm like, no, there, there, there's, there's, seem like, seem there's some like bigger swings here. Yeah, there's some bigger swings here in terms of like um, emotional statements than a night of living dead. Like I, this, yeah. you could like just forgive me if I speaking out of turn of that because I know that's a classic to people. And I think oh, and that it, what, it, again, yeah. like one of my favorite films of all time, and like the and fact knowing that there's that some this kind of ins- correlation here, like yeah, it inspired, it inspired Romero to make Night of the Living Dead, right? Because it's like, well, shit, I can like this is what an independent film can be. I can do this as well, right? And yeah, then we, we, and, and, with, and he is legend too. Yeah, with yeah. with um with his with um the film with the main character being com- like this compulsion to go to Saltaire, right? Like to look at it. That's a very compelling, like it is a beautiful landscape and there's some beautiful shots here. Um, and then especially when she's wandering around and then later on, there's a sequence of her being like, there's a compulsion of her going like, you know, like possessed playing the organ and then it's her, like, we see her playing this work in the church and it goes to these, like, like you know, ghostly dancers in this ballroom. There's some really cool shit going on here. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's yeah. just, I like, my, my only problem is that I don't, I don't feel like there's always the greatest connectivity. But visually speaking and sonically speaking, there's some good things going on in this film that I can appreciate because, like, you place in time, right? Like, it is... I can see why this was a very effective when it played overseas being more of like quote unquote an art film, meaning 
it's more of an intent and emotional response as opposed to a rational response. Cause this isn't, this isn't a B movie drive-in film. Right. As much as they, which we had a hell of a lot of back in the, uh, you know, forties, fifties and sixties. And I mean, for all, for all intents and purposes, this is what they set out to do. That's not what they made. (laughs) You know, like, like it's one of those things where it's like, you're like, Oh yeah, that's what we meant to do. Sure. Thumbs up. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, and like the sequence of like, like the ballroom, like you can't tell me that Stephen King didn't watch us growing up and didn't think of like writing the shining. You can't tell me that, you know exactly. what I mean? Like you can't tell me that like, like this wasn't a foundational film in terms of like upsetting and unnerving. Like you can't tell me that this didn't, those that saw it, left them like, you know, unnerved. And it, it's an unfortunate that I didn't see it until now, but I don't know if I was younger, if I watched it when I was younger, I don't know if it would have hit me the right way because I think I would have been much more ironic watching it. Um, meaning knowing that Rift Tracks covered it, it's going to be a fun Rift Tracks, right? It's going to be a fun watch with them, like having their fun with it. But like, um, th- like the same thing, like there, there, like people can take the piss out of Night of the Living Dead. People can take the piss out of like the Silent Earth. This is kind of this weird, like, like it has a large wake with it, especially when we get to the final sequence, right? Like with her going back to, um, you know, like Saltaire and being chased by the spirits, and then running out to like. The, the the muddy like the sandy like dry like uh, lake bed and being surrounded by everybody and then we get that that double fake right of the ending um and i don't know if there's anything else i want to mention before i get to that i i apologize we've been talking for a minute about this film anything else you want to mention before i get to that no i i, I yeah. well i think that one of the bigger scenes is the the dance sequence here yes. um in like i you know it's like we could also look back to something like Phantom of the Opera yes. as being an inspiration for this sequence, but just like the ghostly imagery and like kind of the starkness, we it, see something a little bit more um, kind of derived and it, it feels extrapolated. Very, it feels very much like a silent film in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, for sure. It and, feels, but yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's certain sequences that are like, I feel like, uh, I think some of it's undercranked, right? Where we get the sped up, like spinning of the ballroom people for a moment. Mm-hmm. It feels very, um, and I know this isn't the same thing. I apologize. I'm cutting you off. Um, it does feel very um, like some early Hitchcock, like early, like we like Nosferatu. Like you get some of that kind of like like this was shot in '62. It feels like a throwback to like 30 years before. It's very. That's yeah. it, that, well, that, that, that German. That that German, what it's called expressionism, like that's mm-hmm. what it feels like to me. Like it is, it it hits wonderfully. Yeah, and th- that's definitely where I feel that it it took uh, so many so many great notes from. But the the films that, and just just because I feel like it's worth noting, this film isn't talked about enough. But films like uh, Fright Night, I feel like they they took a, a dance sequence just right from this, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, it feels so 
whimsical and like i mean just in the club and that like i i love fright night but just like watching this film again i'm like that is taken directly from that film just this whimsical feel Mm -hmm. and where she just feels so out of place and not in control at all you know and then when things turn sideways they start chasing her because she went back and then we get this brief bit of her being chased all over um, this this dance hall and this like midway and then chased out to like these like you know sandy muddy sandy areas and then the, uh, duny areas yeah. and that and then the whole bit we get the we get the double fake of um, because we understand that she was like running out like people are like oh they're concerned about her but we have the police and um, the minister right like the priest seeing that how like the footprints stop. And they're like, I don't know what's going on. And then we get the ending of the film, which is very quick. And it's like, like I, I can tell you, I watch this on YouTube because it's public domain. And I don't know about you, but when like there's a whole thing now where YouTube, if it ends, it starts showing like three different videos trying to pop up in your like view screen. I'm like, come on, can I just finish this film? <laughs> you know, it's like you're ruining the ending, but we get the car being dredged, right? And we find out that our main character has been dead this entire time. So it raises so many questions of like, all right, well, she drowned with the rest of them. People saw her walk out of the water and then we saw her go to Utah, but then she was drawn in, drawn to this big thing, right? Like I kind of, I kind of really like the ambiguity of it a great deal. Like, yeah, because you, you, you can kind of figure it out for yourself. Uh, and there's yeah. a lot of films that kind of want to extrapolate on the idea that, you know, maybe um, in between or whatever and passing over, yeah. that might be a seek, you know, like, like that might be uh, an idea here. Yeah. Possibly. But with her like waffling back and forth between uh, feeling connected and not connected, that feeds into the whole narrative of the movie. So I appreciate that. Uh, and so the silence that- and, yeah that it's one of those things it's like once you watch the film it all makes sense but like i don't know if it's a film that like yeah watching it a second time it will click together better however i don't know about you but it's like there's films where like they're smarter than you are so after you watch it, you're like if i watch the second time I'm like oh yeah that all makes sense i don't know if this all makes sense regardless you know in terms of logic but it was trying to swing for the fences. So I do appreciate that. Right. And it's yeah. giving you a very dark ending. So when I talk about the hitchhiker from, uh, was it season two of the twilight zone or season one of twilight zone with Inger Stevens, you get that vibe, you know, like you get, um, it's, uh, season one episode 16. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I, I brought it up because it was referenced yeah. in, um, the Wikipedia as a possible, um, inspiration it makes so you wonder like, if sterling saw this right but like it's just it is you know like we get like there's plenty of films that we get where it's like oh well that's the, the reversal um the, the the director writer yeah probably took inspiration from the hitchhiker well maybe which right? i did i did talk about with you the one time too i'm like why does this feel like carnival of souls so much yeah. And that's why. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it, it's a cool idea. Um, and like, there's, there's, there's a lot of goodness here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for mentioning this because I've never seen it before. Um, 
you know, is, is this my favorite film of all time? No, it's, there's problems. However, it is, yeah. it, it is, like I said, it is the small, like super, super low budget, whatever it is, right? Like you just, it, you get it, but like low budget then like in terms of like independent film is way different than now because it's like, dear God, like people need to understand like, like independent filmmaking then still meant that you had to shoot on film, still shoot on sound stages, shoot on location, have production crews. Bust your like, ass, really. Yeah, yeah, meaning like, yeah, it's a low budget. That doesn't mean that people will still show up and do it versus you taking like a digital camera and hope for the best. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to like sandbag current productions. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is like, it is way more approachable for somebody to make an independent film now for way less relatively speaking right than yeah. this like so and then we, learning we know that, some yeah. filmmakers that probably produce films a hell of a lot cheaper than this but yeah. the the original production of this as far as wikipedia says uh thirty three thousand uh, dollars yeah yeah if, if if it if we're calculating for like the the production and then everything that it would have made because it was a uh uh what do you call it again? Um, it was it was financially successful, but the 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 producer the production company the sorry the distributor like robbed the powers that be. It actually made its money, especially when it went overseas. But then they disappeared. Right. So like, and this thing also public fell, domain. Yeah, the public if, domain. If, if, fell if in it really wasn't quickly. public domain, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like this film was profitable, um, and the fact that maybe maybe in the same way that Night of Living Dead wouldn't be as well known if it didn't fall in the public domain. Maybe Carnival of Souls wouldn't have been noticed if it wasn't free for people to play. Cause it, this played on plenty of late night, like, you know, um, like, I don't know, horror host shows. Yeah. And then like, you know, the, like the, the skeedy, like kind of areas of New York and that, like it, it did play in a lot of theaters too. And I mean, it's a, a very unusual film, but I think it, deserves to be watched um you know it's like so even like to to, to kind of like build up a little bit about what happened after this um candace the, the our lead actress here uh hill hilly gross hilly yeah, gross yes uh she she tried to do a a treatment for a sequel apparently and it didn't work out and then somehow that was restructured into a remake. Um, I didn't know this remake ever happened, but I well, apparently it, can. Wasn't it produced by like uh, Wes Craven? I I don't I don't know. Okay. I, I, I I've never seen it. Never heard of it. Uh, I think it was '98 that it came out. Yeah, I'm just like I don't. Yeah, '98. Uh, let me look it up here. If it, Real time people, sorry. Uh, yeah, don't recognize any of the people. <laughs> Cast and crew, still. Yeah, I don't see anything about Wes Craven. So okay, well, I'm gonna prove you wrong. So continue, please. Larry Miller's in. It? Oh yeah, okay. well, ex- yeah. Ex- executive producer Wes Craven. Yeah. I'm sorry, uh, Shawnee Smith. You know from um, Becker and Saw. Who cares about that? Anyway, yes. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. I, it's kind of sad because it doesn't look like it followed any of the storyline whatsoever. Uh, why, why, 
Oh my gosh. Like, let me read the storyline to you. Um, 11 year old, um, Alex Grant witnesses her mother being uh, R worded and killed at home by a carnival clown. No, 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 no. All of that's wrong. No, 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 no. Uh, many years later, Alex, uh, with her younger sister, uh, it was a mermaid Inn was owned by their mother out of the blue. Alex is attacked. Um, by Lewis that was hidden in the backseat of a car on the day of right over. Anyway, there's a clown R word here. I don't know about that. No, not the same movie. Not the, there was not, not, not a bunch of clown R words going on here. You know, yeah. not, not the same. Honk, honk. No, no. That's what, that's why I was like, yeah, I don't mm. think I, uh, want to mention this film at all because it sounds like <laughs> complete shit. And, uh, yeah. F this movie. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. So, um, anything else? Not like, just, yeah. Anything yeah. else about this film? This was, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. I mean, not that I wasn't aware of it, but I know that you dig it. Um, I think that you dig it for what it is. Flaws and all. Like it's a very, it's a very off kilter film for like, I don't know if I would call it like, I, it, it is a horror film and what it is, but it's more of, it's more trippy. Like, and I don't know if that was their goal. Like, it's more like you kind of have to go, go with the flow of it. Right. And that's, what's more scary than what's literally happening in the film. It's more of an emotional fear. Right. I don't, is that maybe it might, you could tell me I'm wrong, but it's, it's not a jump scare film. It's more of an unsettling under your skin film. Yeah. I, I wouldn't really consider this a horror film. And even when they reference certain characters as like zombie or ghoul or whatever, um, this is more of a psychological film. And I, I think the real fear here is in how you process death. Um, yeah. Especially when you put yourself into a frame of mind of Mary um, in what she's dealing with. There's a lot of terrifying things that she's dealing with that you may not know how to process yet. So you're to kind of take it at Mary's pace. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the way I, I process this film. Uh, if there's anything I could say about this film, every time I watch it, there's something new I gather from it. Just like Seven. Seven is a film that I, I take something new from it every Fair single time that, I watch it. That, no, that's another film that, yeah, that just kind of hit, hit, keeps hitting you, right? Over and over again. So, yeah. So, all right. Some other trivia I found about this film. Litter Malton gave this film a score two and a half, two, two and a half out of four stars, calling the film eerie and imaginative, uh, low-budget sci-fi. Roger Ebert, um, like said, was referring to the to the similarly, similarly-themed Hitchhiker episode of The Twilight Zone, likened the film to the lost, a lost episode of The Twilight Zone. Fair enough. Um, and noticed that it had an intriguing power. Carnival Souls gradually developed a cult following since its release, now considered a low-budget classic. Um, the film has been included in multiple lists by various media outlets as one of the greatest horror films ever made. I want to argue, like, I'd, it should be something to watch. I wouldn't say it's one of the greatest horror films ever made, whatever. Anyway, Complex Magazine ranked Carnival Souls number 39 of its 50 scariest movies ever made. I'll disagree with that as well. Slant Magazine placed the film 32 on its 100 best horror movies of all time. I disagree with that. Pace Magazine uh, rated the film uh, 85 and its list of 100 best horror films of all time. I don't know. Like, 
I think it's you if the if if there's a list to be made of like fifty influential films to watch if you like horror, I'll put that in there, right? I'm not gonna say it's in my best of. I mean maybe maybe yeah, I'm an I, asshole. it's always gonna be on a sliding scale either yeah, way. I mean, it's so. your opinion, I get it, but like come on. Let's be honest. Like, I don't know. Like whatever. Anyway, like, yeah, I just I just I get it. It's like the pedigree's there, the foundation's there, but like it's it's just it it's an incomplete film. It's an interesting film, but in terms of like it's worthy of watching and understanding where it came and what it what it influenced later, but it would almost be like um I don't know like I and I'm going to speak out of turn here like oh Alfred Hitchcock's The Lodger is like a scary film versus Psycho. Calm down like. That, you know, he did that during the silent era. Calm down. Like, we know what came later. Just calm down. You know, like, just appreciate the foundation. Appreciate where it is. Don't just put it up there to look like, <laughs> I watched this movie and you need to watch it as well. That feels very, like, judgmental to me. I, I, don't know. I mean, it, it is. And at the same point, it's like, if you kind of want to gauge a film, Maybe you have to set up yourself for other films to, you know, make those films feel a little bit more appropriate. Yeah, um, that's fair. Like, like yeah, you know, like like Night of Living Dead, nineteen sixty-eight, um, or, or sixty-nine, I believe. Um, that it, it is such an influential film as far as the subgenre of zombie films. Mm -hmm. But when you watch something like, uh, you know, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. It predates that film, but it's terrifying in itself, too. But there are different themes going on in that film. And it's still black and white. And they, both those films, the directors chose to uh, to produce those in black and white. Mm -hmm. They wanted them to be in black and white. So with this, this film being in black and white, too, there was a conscious decision to maybe harness some of that energy. You know, like, oh, you know, because sure. we already or you already had color, you know, because especially because of Wizard of Oz, um, mm -hmm. like there are terrifying themes that we can achieve and we don't have to go hard edge into horror. So, you know, every film after this now, it's like they made a conscious decision to be like, all right, well, we're going to keep it black and white as well. We can still keep it scary. Yeah, it just, I, but for somebody to be like, oh, it's one of the 100 scariest films of all time. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think you're up your own butt a little bit. But I'm saying, in terms of this being a weird ride and a worthy ride, completely, I agree with that. I think there's a lot of merit here, right? But in terms of like, like, if I asked you tonight to give me your 100 scariest films of all time, this is not going to be in it. You know that, right? Like, 500? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it would take me a while, but it might make it in there. It might it might make it in there, honestly. Okay. Because it is honestly it, it's a little bit more deep rooted into a, a different type of horror for me. Fair um, enough. Okay, I, that's I'm valid. Afraid, I'm, Sorry, I'm not trying I guess I, I'm not trying to dismiss it. I apologize, but like for me it wouldn't No, I you know, well, for... no if you ask the question, like I'm I'm afraid of uh my biggest uh fear is death. So this is a, a, a real horror for me. Yeah. I mean, but I also have other films that are considered like dramas that are way more suffocating and terrifying, like that terrify me than this. 
Um, like I'll point out uh one hour photo is a very suffocating film for me. It, it's, it's a, it, it, that is a terrifying film. Yeah. But it's like, it's not a horror film, right? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, but it's a, it's a, it's a matter of just <laughs> you living your life. And then all of a sudden, like somebody comes yeah. infatuated with you. Yeah. And you mentioned seven, seven isn't a horror film. I would argue it is, but you know, like, uh, yeah, it is a horror film yeah, to me, yeah, but you know, but Lord. it's a, it's a crime drama, right? On the surface, right? Like, yeah, but anyway, that's yeah, either, noir. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So anyway, no, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for suggesting this. And also this is kind of like, um, the right, um, it's a scratch, right. And before we get into what we're doing next, right. It's a nice, we've done our detours. I know we just recently revisited um, an original episode of the Twilight Zone, but like this was like a wonderful like dip into that time frame. So thank you for suggesting this um, for one of the watch films. So. Yeah, because we're we're gonna get back into the '60s here soon enough, as far as like our discussions, because uh, we're gonna talk about some uh, remakes again. Yes, right? we are. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna get into that. So. Um, I think that's going to do it for our discussion about Carnival of Souls. Um, people watch it. It's free to watch online. Watch the black and, and white version, please and thank you. Yeah. Please challenge us again. And uh, the one thing I will uh, bring up is if you do watch it, try to watch it on something other than YouTube. Because um, my my buddy, uh, he pointed out a, <laughs> a particular thing. If you, if you do it with the uh, closed caption, it doesn't match up at all. That's fair. But I watched it with like, I I watched all that closed captioning and I saw it on another channel that offers it because it's all public domain and it was straight ahead. Wonderful rip um, without like, it didn't have like ad breaks. So, but yeah, please even better. Yeah. Go, go, go check it out. And then also after you watch it, go check out the riff tracks version of it. Cause I've watched a little bit of it. I love those guys, but anyway, so yes, no, but thank you, everybody, for this conversation. Thank you, Terry, for this conversation. Thank you for the opportunity to watch this film. I'm glad that I did. Like, I, I'm not trying yeah. to come off like being a shitheel about it. It's, no, no, I, I mean, you know, like, it's not a film for everybody, and I know it has its flaws, but that is definitely a film that, like, for some damn reason, I just feel compl- compelled to like, just like, fair enough. research, yeah. research my own thoughts every single time. Like I just no, like, no. I don't it's, know. There's it's a something film worthy, weird about this film like, for me. We didn't even get into like the sexual politics of it. I don't even want to get into that because it's a oh, whole other thing. But yeah, like it's it's a whole thing, right? So you know, it's it's worthy of watching. People can like you know your mileage may vary, but it's worthy of a watch. It's free. Watch it, please, please, please. So yeah. uh, I'm not going to do a twist rating because you know. <laughs> also, it's by the way, people would also argue that this was influential. Like people would say this is very much in the vein of an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. I would argue that's similar. You know what I mean? There, like there, there's something. Yeah, there's something yeah. there. Um, if you there's know, you something. know. We're not going to get into that. So, um, yeah. so yeah, and we are also not uh, a sponsor, but uh, Criterion Collection has a a version of this that apparently is beautiful. Um, again, not sponsors, but um, <laughs> we have a friend that is a huge fan of Criterion Collection and um, spoke highly about it. Yes. So, all right. So that's going to do it for us this week. Everybody have a good week. Um, have a safe week. Before we wrap this up, though, you guys can find us uh, on uh, Facebook at uh, Strange Highways. Um, you can email us directly at strangehighwayspodcast.gmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. Uh, Stitchers is no longer around. Um, I use Podcatcher 
for all of my uh, podcasts I listen to. You can find the show on Podcatcher. I verified it, Terry. I verified that we can find it on Podcatcher. Just search it. It's there. It's available. Uh, Apple Podcasts, um, Google Podcasts, um, Marks. I don't know where else you guys, like um, Dollar General. Wherever you find your podcasts, you guys can find us. Uh, you're already listening, but like, you know, wherever you get them, like rate and review us would be greatly appreciated. And Terry, where can people find us otherwise? Dude, I didn't know that you didn't have any information about this, but Spotify, Spotify, the king, the king of all, the one that serves most podcasts anymore now. We are on Spotify. So if you've, if you've discovered us on Spotify and maybe you're not listening on Spotify, get on Spotify. And it is easy to find us every single time we drop a podcast. And then you can like, there's not really a review, but there is a new thing now. If, there, if, you, if you click on the episode, you can ask us a question. I, I didn't know about this, but apparently that's a new thing now. But please do like a five-star thing on Spotify or, you know, one star. And we can tell you why we're better than that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we are on Instagram as well. But please reach out to us. You know, let, let Paul and I know how to do better because this is all for you guys. You know, it's, it's all it's, for you, it's, Damien. It's, a labor, it's all, for, it's you, all Damien. for you, baby. Yeah, it's it's a labor of love because you know we love we love conversing, but we could just do that at our houses and just bring a sixer over we, we, to the other yeah, guy's we, house. We, we could bore the shit out of our wives talking about stuff. It's fine. oh yeah, easily. We, but, uh, um, but which we've done, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is all for you guys. If if you want to hear something, if you want us to discuss something, break down something, please. Give us some info, you know, like, uh, you know, we've been doing this for a long time and we're not getting tired of it yet. I mean, well, okay. So let's get into what we're talking about next. And now Mr. Serling. So, all right. Um, we've done enough neat detours. Have we? I don't know. Anyway. So we're finally, finally, finally getting back into, um, here it comes. Yeah, here, here, it comes. Come, here it comes. Here it comes. Back. Uh, season two of the eighties iteration of the twilight zone. Uh, so we're going to get into next, next episode. It's going to be season two, episode one, segment a, which the segments we're, we're, we still have some more to get through before we get to like full half hour episodes. Right. Cause CBS didn't eventually they lost trust. And so show whatever. Anyway, this one is called the once and future King. Um, I've not watched it. Um, spoilers. I think it involves Elvis, but anyway, so we're going to get there when we get there. Everybody have a good week. Um, have a safe week. Um, I don't know. Don't drag race people on wooden bridges that you could break for $12. I think that's fair. Uh, Question everyone around you. Each room's got its own private bathroom, too. You can take all the baths you want. I'm not one to fuss about things like that.